Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today and on this uh, Palm Sunday, the day we begin Holy Week uh, leading up to Easter of next week. It is a busy week. It is a week of, uh, of ups and downs in the Christian church as, uh, as we celebrate today the, the coming of Christ into Jerusalem, as we anticipate um, Good Friday and uh, his crucifixion, and then, of course, next Sunday we celebrate again his resurrection at Easter time. We welcome you here this Palm Sunday morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here with us today and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. I'd like to ask everyone, if you would, to take your uh, attendance sheets on the end of each row and fill those out. We would certainly appreciate that if you would do that. And I'd like to call to your attention a few announcements that we have this morning. Uh, First of all, let me say thank you to those of you who were here uh, yesterday making dresses. We had a bunch of folks here making dresses uh, for, uh, for orphanages around the world, and I think there are 14 dresses back there. You see them lying, hanging up up there? Aren't they beautiful? Uh, I think we got some pictures up there. Do you, guys, you got some pictures you want to show us? Show us some pictures of what was going on. Is this one on? One is that white? Is this one minute? All right, if you don't have them, that's okay. <laughs> we'll move on. They were good pictures, you know. They were great pi- Actually, they're the most fabulous pictures you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but, uh, but, but sorry. I mean, there they are. There's some, there's some pictures of the finished products. What else, what else you got up there? Two of those dresses were made by men, and I think we have pictures of that. Okay, there's Gracie working on hers. Gracie and, and Jill. What's next there? Ah! Is John modeling his. What else we got there? Uh, no. There's Mark. <laughs> Mary's showing off her wares there. Let's see. Who else we got? There's Sue and, and Juanita. They're on Facebook. They're on Facebook, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it was a good time. We're glad, glad to, uh, to be able to be a part of that project. Fourteen dresses were, were made, and a lot of fun was had by those who were there. And these dresses will be sent um, with mission teams to orphanages. And so, good job, folks. Great job. A couple of other announcements we have. Uh, Our Easter Fest will be Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll be having uh, some activities and games and goodies and uh, Easter egg hunt. So I hope that you'll be here for that. All you kids, come and bring your friends and you parents and uh, adults, bring, uh, spread the word around, and, and we'll have a good turnout and a lot of fun next Saturday. Also, our youth will be, uh, have, have started a fundraiser, and what they're doing, they're selling onions, 10-pound uh, bags of Vidalia onions uh, for $10. And that's a pretty good price for Vidalia onions. They're, they're expensive, and they're the best onions in the world, the sweetest onions you've ever tasted. You can eat them like an apple. They're so good. 
Uh, but I think there's a sign-up sheet at the door. If you'd like to purchase some Vidalia onions, you can, you can uh, sign up there or see Virginia, and she'll take care of you there. Uh, this week is Holy Week, and so our Lenten lunch schedule has changed a little bit. Uh, uh, on third, We will not be having anything on Wednesday for Lenten lunch, but on Thursday is Monday Thursday, and we'll be having our service at uh, Zion, uh, United Church of Christ, and on Good Friday, we'll be having our service at Holy Name. And one other thing, well, two other things, really. If you'd like to uh, um, sign up for Extreme Build, you can sign up at the tape on the table there. Uh, that's July, the, or, I'm sorry, June the 7th through the 13th. And uh, if you do that as soon as possible, we need to get uh, hotel arrangements made pretty quickly. And one more thing, I hope you have this. I don't know if you have, no, you don't have this. Never mind. <laughs> we'll do this next week. Uh, let's stand now and sing our opening hymn, our hymn of, of uh, gathering. Crown him with many crowns, number 161.
Please join me in prayer. Oh God, on this holy day of Palm Sunday and Passion, we have so many mixed feelings inside of us. We remember your son's triumphant entrance into Jerusalem with the people shouting praises and waving palm branches. And we join them with our own celebration of praise. And yet we also remember that this wonderful parade for your son will soon become another kind of parade, a parade before officials and the booing crowds. And instead of the crowd singing his praises, they are shouting for him to be crucified. Our hearts are broken by those shouts, by the pain and the suffering that he bore that day. And yet we know that it is because of his choosing to enter Jerusalem and taking the path that he knew he was taking, it is because of that that there is hope. There's grace and love and salvation for all. And Lord, we know that there are still many in need of hope in our world. There are still many in need of your grace in our world. And there are still many in need of your love in our world. There are still many in need of your salvation. So, Lord, enter our lives today. Enter our churches, our cities, our countries once again. Heal us, Lord. Transform us. Renew us. Draw us closer to you in this journey of Holy Week. Empower us with strength and courage. And with the assurance that you are with us to the very ends of the world. Amen. Please join me in a responsive reading. Honor. Honor and praise. Honor, praise, and glory. Honor, praise, and glory for yours, Almighty God, now and forever. In celebration, we join the crowds of old. Yet our celebration is bittersweet, for our story doesn't end there. We know the of what lies ahead. Today anticipates the rest of the story. The story of betrayal and death. The story of hope and resurrection. Lead us, O God, through the highs and lows of this week, that we may be found at the foot of your cross and at the mouth of your empty tomb, forever giving you thanks. Amen. Amen.
Please follow along as we read the scripture taken from Mark 11, 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. know if I'm turned on, but I believe I am. Yes. Forward. We have several of children here today. How are y'all doing? Today is Palm Sunday. Ducky Sunday. Today is the longest church service of the whole church. It goes from today to next week, some people say. It's the longest church service all week. But just our regular claim that it's the longest service of the week. But the thing I like best about this week is Good Friday because people that work, eight to five jobs, we get Good Friday off. And it is my favorite holiday. So that's Last week was quite exciting for me. I got to go out of town to a conference with my profession in Indianapolis. Yes, I was in Indianapolis this week. Now, I think next week they're going to have some kind of football game there. Oh, I got that wrong. It's basketball next week. But I was there at a insurance conference, and there was about 3,000 people that do what I do at this particular conference. And I've been doing this conference probably for about 31 years now, and it's a big celebration. You get all these people together, and people flew in from California, New York, Georgia, all over the place, and met in Indianapolis for this conference, and the big 
guess what happened? The lights went out. The music stopped. The emergency lights did come on. But everybody was just sitting there. Having a good time and just like, it all stopped. And that's what happened, is going to happen this week. Is we're all in mode this week, marching in with palm branches, etc. And the crucifixion. And we're going to be somewhat fearful, just like I was at that meeting or that party Thursday night. I was scared. I was fearful. I got my cell phone out and turned on the flashlight so I could see my way out of there. And that's what 2,000 years ago, whenever the crucifixion and a big party stopped, people were fearful. But the thing happened yesterday. I have a new hero in life. And some of you might know of her. She is a celebrity. She's a newscaster. Her name is Robin Roberts. And she has had several... She didn't. Uh, she, she survived that as well. And she spoke yesterday at the closing part of this meeting, and she was so inspiring with her ability to not let fear control her. And she left me with this wonderful quote, and I want to share it with you this morning. The quote is, can we read that together? What... When, when fear knocks on your door, fear, fear knocks, let faith answer the door. Isn't that great? So whenever you have a fearful situation this week, be sure your faith and your, your love for God and God's love for you is in charge. That's the message that I want to leave you with. Let's not be fearful that God is in control. Y'all have a children moment? Get on with the rest of the service. I sing in our next. Experience. Thank you, boys and girls.
God, we think about this week as being a week of sacrifice. And we think we've sacrificed when we've given up chocolate or when we put an extra five bucks in the offering plate or we take food to somebody. And that's not a sacrifice. It can be inconvenient, but it certainly is not a sacrifice. Help us to understand, O oh God, what truly the sacrifice you made so that maybe we can stretch that inconvenience just a bit. Accept our offerings, O oh God. Bless them. And may we um, use them to share your word of love and hope in a darkened world. We offer this in the one who sacrificed, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
destroys all of their lives. Soon you'll see past their unmerciful eyes. Look there below, see the child trembling by her father's side. Now I can tell you why. She Thank you, Sarah. That was powerful, and what a wonderful message. We appreciate you sharing that with us today. There's a story about a little boy who was sick one Sunday, and it happened to be Palm Sunday, so the children waved their palm branches at the opening of the service like they they did here this morning, but this young man had stayed at home with his mother because he was sick. So his father came back from church um, that afternoon, holding a palm branch, and he told the little boy about what had happened during the service. And the boy asked, well, why do we wave palm branches on Palm Sunday, and why do we call it Palm Sunday? So his father explained that when Jesus came to town, everyone waved palm branches in order, order to, to honor him. And so we, we got palm branches today to wave in the worship service. And the little boy replied, oh, shucks, the one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty confident that Jesus will show up today, uh, even though our welcome may not be quite the hoopla that the crowds in Jerusalem presented to him 2,000 years ago. Someone has compared the reception that Jesus received to a ticker tape parade in New York City, honoring the heroes and celebrities. And I know that, that some folks might, might, even know, might, might not even know what a ticker tape is. And for those of you who have never seen this stuff, ticker tape refers to a, a long, narrow strand of paper um, with holes punched in it. And these strands of paper would carry information about how stocks are doing on the New York Stock Exchange. As information was entered, holes were being punched into the tape, and then it was, as it was fed through a machine, and then other machines would read the information for the benefit of stockbrokers and investors. It was kind of like a, an early form of computers, all very modern in the first half of the 20th, 20th century. However, there was a problem. You see, once the tape was used, it could not be reused. So what do you do with all this tape once it's gone through the reader and was no longer useful? Well, one cynic says that since all that ticker tape was waste paper and expensive to get rid of, then some enterprising person had the idea of staging a parade for some hero and dumping the, the whole mess out the window. And thus was born the ticker tape parade. The greatest honor 
that the city of New York can bestow upon a person is to throw a ticker tape parade. Since the first parade of that type in 1886, there have been 204 celebrations like that that have taken place. And since then, literally thousands, tens of thousands of tons of paper have descended upon the heads of various heroes. In 1951, 3,249 tons of paper showered down on General Douglas MacArthur as the motor, his motorcade worked its way through the streets of Manhattan. And 3,474 tons drifted down upon John Glenn in 1962 after he was the first astronaut to or- orbit the Earth. Let's take a gander if we can get that up. We got that, guys? Okay, let's take a gander of the parade that they threw for John Glenn for just a moment. The man who conquered outer space makes a new conquest as he takes New York by storm. There's been nothing like it in history. 35 years ago, Gotham went wild over Lindbergh when he returned from his solo hop across the Atlantic. And there have been many wild receptions to returning heroes since. But today tops them all, as Colonel John H. Glenn has the town at his feet. Up lower Broadway from Bowling Green, the colonel and his fellow astronauts are showered by a storm of torn paper and ticker tape. Only the tape is thinner, for modern stock market machines don't use the same tape that was such a part of receptions in decades past. How big is the crowd? It's well beyond accurate estimates, but we'll quote Mayor Robert Wagner. He puts it at four million, and the millions roar. They roar a claim never before equaled in the city of traditional tributes to heroes. So overwhelming are their numbers that police lines are breached time and again as the people fight to get even closer to the man of the hour. Right in proper places of honor are Colonel Glenn's fellow astronauts, the men who are helping blaze trails into the future. Okay, that's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? But by the late 1960s, the stock exchange had exchanged their ticker tape for electronic boards, so enterprising office workers resorted to shredding regular paper and throwing it out the window. But somehow, it didn't work quite so well. As a matter of fact, there was one year that an overzealous office worker neglected to to tear the pages out of a phone book, and he threw the whole thing out the window. Well, it hit a passerby and, and, and knocked him unconscious. So maybe that's one reason that ticker tape parades are not so common these days. But probably the main reason is because most buildings of, uh, uh, most of the office buildings that are built these days have sealed windows. You can't even open the, the windows up there. Nevertheless, I want you to imagine today the exhilaration of a ticker tape parade like what we just saw just a moment ago on a smaller scale in Jerusalem in about 30 A.D. Imagine the excitement and the merriment, all of the the energy surrounding that occasion. Jesus is coming to town. And it was a time to celebrate. (coughs) Some people said that he was a great teacher, while others said that he was a healer. Still others said that he's the Messiah, and he had 
He came to lead the people of Israel against the oppressive powers of Rome. But see if you can visualize that scene in your mind. Let your ears be filled with the beautiful sound of Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Now if we let our minds wander beyond this day to the events of Holy Week, our minds will become encumbered with many somber and disturbing events. So for a few moments this morning, let's, let's, let's bask in this time of victory. Let's bask in this time of glorious expectations on Palm Sunday. The account of Palm Sunday is one of the few events that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And so as we visualize this great event, I want us to focus on three things. Number one is the manner in which Jesus entered the holy city. Secondly is the reaction of the crowds. And then finally, its meaning to us. So first of all, let's take note of how he came. <coughs> Excuse me. This was a time of, for the Passover celebration. And this was one of the, the three feasts of the Jewish religion where Jews were supposed to attend the feast in Jerusalem. And as a result, the population of Jerusalem swelled immensely. And being a good Jew, Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his disciples. But in preparation, he did something unusual. He told his disciples to go and borrow a young donkey upon which no one had ever ridden for him to ride when he came into the city. <coughs> It's interesting that, that Jesus and his followers think about this. They probably walked all the way from Galilee. But now for the last two miles, Jesus decided to ride on a donkey. Why is that? Well, it was probably an intentional effort to fulfill a prophecy found in Zechariah, which says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. So the disciples did as they were instructed and procured a, a young donkey for, for Jesus to ride on. And after borrowing, borrowing the donkey, the disciples placed their cloaks on the back of the donkey as a saddle for Jesus to commence his journey into Jerusalem. But this method of transportation is significant. You see, Jesus did not ride in a golden chariot or, in a large or on a large imposing horse. No. He rode a donkey, a small, insignificant animal that was generally thought of as a beast of burden. Perhaps this is a, this is a metaphor. Perhaps this is a metaphor because in just a few days, Jesus would be taking on an even greater burden. He would be taking on the sins of the world. He would be spat upon. He would be beaten. He would be mocked and jeered at and nailed to a cross. And all of that may be symbolized by this lowly beast of burden, a donkey. In contrast to this, on the other side of town, Pontius Pilate was entering Jerusalem with, a, with his own parade. But he was 
riding in a gilded chariot, drawn by mighty steeds, surrounded by warriors and minstrels blowing their trumpets and to announce his arrival. Pilate's entrance was filled with symbols of war and power, while Jesus rode a donkey as a symbol of peace and humility. In Luke 14, Jesus taught those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus was practicing what he preached. So first of all, we notice the manner in which he came. He came lowly and riding on a donkey. And then secondly, notice the reaction of the crowds. Mark says, That as Jesus entered the holy city, many people spread their cloaks out on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. John tells us that these branches were palm branches. But this is very significant. You see, victorious kings were honored like this in biblical times. And there was no no doubt that many in the crowd were were thinking that they were welcoming a king into Jerusalem. They anticipated that Jesus would lead an insurrection against the Romans and restore order in Israel. They did not realize that his kingdom was not of this world. While he rode into the city, the crowd was singing Hosanna in the highest. And of course, songwriters have done more to capture the beauty of this day than any preacher could possibly do. For many in the crowd that day, this was a moment of of splendid adoration. Of course, there were cynics, just as there are today. A donkey, they think. Peasants waving palm branches. He may as well drive up in a banged-up old VW van from the 60s. You see, we prefer our royalty to come and Rolls Royces, or at the very least, Mercedes Benz. But my friends, the values of this world are not the values of Christ's kingdom. And unfortunately, this ecstatic type of worship reminds us of the fickleness of the human heart and how we straddle the fence so often. We see Jesus being worshipped here on Palm Sunday by the crowds, shouting to him, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But just in a few days, these same same people who are singing to the Lord will be shouting for him to be crucified. You see, not everyone who sings praises to Christ can be counted on when the going gets tough. They were in a celebratory mood here. But while the, while the, when the tough decisions were being made, such as choosing between Barabbas and Jesus, the crowd in just a few days would forget that just a few days before they were hailing Jesus as their king. Of course, some of the people in the crowd that day were simply there due to curiosity. They were just following the crowd. They saw the excitement and wondered what was going on, and they just started shouting like the others, Hosanna. Eric Hoffer once said that when people are free to do as they please, they usually imitate others. 
And that's true, isn't it? I read somewhere about a man in Utah who put up uh, or who put this this follow the crowd mentality to good use. You see, he he bought a store there, but it was not doing very well. Nobody came to his store to see his merchandise. So his business was was pretty bad. And he was on a main road, so that wasn't the problem. People just weren't stopping. So one day he got an idea. Knowing that most people follow a crowd, he went out and he bought several used cars and parked them in front of his store. And sure enough, people started to stop at his store and shop. All kinds of people began to buy his stuff. They just assumed that all those cars out front must mean that this is a great place to shop. The same thing happens in churches. Some people are attracted to church because their friends go there. Nothing wrong with that. That's a great first step. We come into worship for a variety of reasons. Some of us come with a sincere desire to know God's will for our lives. Other people come still seeking a workable faith in their life. And still others come because they're, they're expected to come. And while some come in, in, in recognition that Christ is our Lord, and we're grateful for who He is and what He has done. In Matthew 16, Jesus questioned his disciples and asked, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Jesus didn't want Peter and his disciples to to believe that he was the Son of God just just because he said so. He wanted God to bring them to this revelation based on their experience with him. So folks, if you're still uncertain about who Jesus is today, this is a great place for you to be. Walk with Christ for a while and see for yourself who Jesus is. And that brings us to the last thing we need to ask today. And that is, what does Palm Sunday mean for us? What does Palm Sunday mean for us this morning? More than 40 years ago, John Lennon caused quite a stir when he claimed that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. You remember that? It was obvious, and I'm a big Beatles fan, you know, I love the Beatles, but it was obvious at the time that the Beatles were not singing Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But listen to this, folks. Now, more than four decades later, the Beatles' former drummer, Ringo Starr, says that he has found God. After, and, and this is his quote. He has found God after a long and winding road. He admits that he lost his way when he was younger, both as a beetle experimenting with marijuana and LSD, and, and afterwards when he suffered for, with problems with alcohol and cocaine. But Ringo, who has now become a teetotaler, swearing off alcohol and drugs and, and quitting his three-pack-a-day cigarette habit, he says that religion now plays an important role in his life. 
Ringo, who, who recently turned 70, said, I feel that the older I get, the more I'm learning how to handle life. And being on this quest for a long time, it's all about finding yourself. And for me, God is in my life. I don't hide from that. I think the search has been going on since way back in the 60s. I stepped off the path there for many years, but finally found my way back. Thank God. And I say to that, yes, thank God. And by the way, Starr wasn't speaking at a church when he made this confession. He was speaking at the Grammy Awards Museum in Los Angeles, California. And I'm glad that Ringo Starr, as he has gotten older, he has also gotten smarter. It's a shame that sometimes people have to get in such a bad way before they realize that there's a better way. There's a better way. But the Bible teaches us that there will come a time when God will reign in every heart. There will come a time when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And folks, I believe that Palm Sunday prefigures that great event. Looking at the four gospel accounts together, it becomes clear to me that that, <clears throat> that Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem was a very significant event not only to those who witnessed it at that, on that day, but also to Christians all throughout history. We celebrate Palm Sunday to remember that, that momentous occasion and to join in with followers all over the world and all throughout history to sing our praises to Christ. Over a thousand years ago, an Italian bishop named Theodulf was a prisoner in France. From his jail cell, he wrote a poem that Christians have been singing ever since to remember the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. You may recognize it. It goes like this. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the king of Israel, thou David's royal son, who in the Lord's name comest, the king and blessed one. My friends, Jesus is our Redeemer King. And he deserves our allegiance. He deserves our praise he deserves our lives. He deserves our all. And so now, as we stand to sing this great hymn, I hope that in your mind's eye, you will put yourself in that crowd welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. And I especially hope that as you sing these words of praise, you will also welcome him into your heart today. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn, number 126, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, all three verses.
passing from joy into sorrow and on to elation, we come to Christ during this Holy Week. Today is only a part of the story. Jesus' triumph leads to his death, but his death leads to his resurrection. May the journey of this week lead you into the fullness of Christ's love. Amen.